Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tipsy's F1 podcast. This is our fifth ever episode, so again, still pretty new to this, but hey, on the upside, we have made it onto Google's podcast thing, so if you're listening from there, let me know. It's really cool to see that we're actually all over the place, pretty much we're on most of the podcasting platforms now which is great now we have just finished the pre-season testing i was watching the formula e in cape town on saturday so i didn't get to watch day three but we are going to mostly talk about the day three results because essentially that's the final result of where the cars are now and the next time we'll see them on track is for practice on friday in which case they'll be preparing for qualifying on this coming Saturday and then the race on Sunday. So a week from now, I will hopefully be talking about the race results, which is so exciting. I just, it's so exciting to come back from a season and see where the cars are at after like months of no F1. So let's see what happens. Before we dive into that, I want to talk about some of the ongoing news and rumors and everything there. Like again, I don't know what's going on, but hey, I can talk and give my opinions over these news and rumors. And well, I think that's what you guys tune in for, just to see another different perspective. That's why I'm here. So first of all, Lance Stroll, we still don't know too much about his injuries, but Aston Martin have put out a statement saying that they're going to do everything they can to try and get Lance to race this weekend. But if his injuries are too bad, they have Felipe Dragovic and Felipe Dragovic will be their backup driver. I say this definitely makes sense over using Stoffel Van Dorn because Felipe Dragovic has been in the car and he's been setting good lap times in that Aston Martin. Stoffel Van Dorn was obviously the other reserve driver and he was racing in Cape Town in Formula E. He didn't do amazingly there. I don't even know if he got points in the end. And there weren't that many finishes. He, he must have gotten points because there, there weren't. There were like only 14 finishes. Either way, so we'll talk about that another day. Stoffel van Dorn's not going up, but Felipe Dragovic will indeed drive for Aston Martin if Stroll is not recovered by then. But I, I have a pretty good suspicion that Stroll won't recover in time because, again, by the signs of things, he broke his wrist, which that, that sounds... Driving an F1 car with a broken wrist sounds like a terrible idea. There were other rumors saying that Sebastian Vettel should come and race in Stroll's place, which which I think would be amazing. Imagine we had Sebastian Vettel and Alonso just driving those Aston Martins, getting points, fighting for podiums. I don't know if they will be fighting for podiums, but I'm sure they're going to be point contenders. Like, they'll be scoring points most of their races. But we'll see what happens. I think this is an excellent opportunity for Dragovic to do something like what De Vries did last year and just put his name out there showing that he can score points on debut. He has that opportunity to score points on debut if he does race this weekend because he's had the time to practice on this track in the car and that, that's the perfect thing you need just to get going and, and have your toes dipped into F1. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Alonso will beat Dragovic. I'm not too worried there, but it would be embarrassing if Dragovic just performed better than Alonso. That that was the one thing that's not too great for Alonso because theoretically, Stroll should be beating Alonso because Stroll is used to the car, used to the team, etc., etc. But, but Alonso is very experienced. But if Dragovic came in and beat Alonso, that would be something to be raising questions about. But uh, this is a very hypothetical thing that... I hope doesn't happen and I, I really don't think will happen so I'm not too worried about that. Anyways that's the update on Stroll and his situation. I, I honestly hope that he just takes some time off to recover properly and doesn't dive straight into driving that car because yeah it, it might suck. Maybe he'll hop in for a practice session see how he feels and then and then hop straight out again. That, that might be the case I could imagine. Then the other news slash well they're just rumors really is that AlphaTauri may be for sale which Again, 
This could be very good for Andretti that's trying to get into F1. I think as a fan, I'm not too excited about that idea. I hope Andretti starts their own brand new team so that we have 11 teams on the grid so that we have more drivers on the grid because I just think that would be better. So if they do end up getting purchased by another team, I hope they get purchased by literally a team that was only planning on entering F1 if they could purchase an existing team as opposed to a team that was planning on starting a new team on the grid. Now, the reason that they are for sale or, or rumored to be for sale is just, it's plain and simple. They are kind of like the Red Bull sister team or junior team, whatever you want to call it, but not even the junior team anymore because it seems like Red Bull is just taking their drivers from anywhere now. They're not really promoting their drivers through AlphaTauri anymore. Like, look, they got Perez not from AlphaTauri. They had people in AlphaTauri, but they decided to hire Perez instead. Which obviously made sense because Perez is a very consistent, good, well-experienced, well-rounded driver. And he's a perfect teammate for Max, if you ask me. Uh, there have been people predicting that Perez is going to be out and Daniel Ricciardo is going to be in next year. Uh, we'll see about that. I don't think that's going to be the case. But if it happens, I think it'll be nice to see Daniel Ricciardo back in the sport. And at the same time, Daniel Ricciardo has got experience now being the second driver. And I think he's accepted that that's just going to be his role forever. At least his driving style seems to have somewhat matched Max's because they were building the car around Max and Daniel was still performing well when he was at Red Bull back in the day before he moved on to Renault and then McLaren. Anyways, actually back to the fact that AlphaTauri is for sale. They've had some other rumors saying that they might move the team closer to Red Bull. In fact, like almost share facilities with Red Bull, which I think is going to be a protesting nightmare because everyone's going to say that's not allowed, that's not fair. I, I think that's a bad move for Red Bull considering they are under so much scrutiny already because they are the top dogs and everyone wants to do everything they can to knock them off their pedestal. So my thoughts are it would genuinely be better for them to just sell the team to someone else and then if, the, if AlphaTauri wants to promote themselves, they're going to do a better job having their logos pasted on the winning championship car, Red Bull, and just have AlphaTauri sponsoring Red Bull as one of the things, promoting the AlphaTauri brand that way. Instead of having the AlphaTauri brand plastered over a losing team that, that could arguably end up lost if things don't go super well. But right, let's go on to the testing results of Saturday. And, and I mean, I will talk about the rest of the weekend too. But the time at the top of the leaderboards was Perez at a 1 minute 30.305. Now that is quicker than Charles Leclerc's pole lap of last year, which is quite something. That means these cars are significantly quicker and, and we might see some even faster times in qualifying on Saturday because, you know, they, they just, they'll have more to risk. They'll be pushing every little bit that they can. Unless, of course, everyone else can't reach the pace of them. But Hamilton was close in second with only three and a half tenths behind Perez, which that that's pretty close. I mean, you can gain tenths here and there. It's not like the car is just heavily off the pace. I think this could happen and Hamilton didn't even get that many laps in compared to Perez like Mercedes kind of had a bad day on Saturday with some some of their runnings cut short like Hamilton didn't do that many laps and Russell he had to stop about an hour and a half at least maybe even two hours before the end of day three actually ended actually wait that that's not the case that was the end of day two so uh, I guess it, it looks like Russell just got some laps in but compared to everyone else it doesn't look like they did that many laps oh no Russell did Hamilton didn't so the fact that Hamilton got some good laps in is good. 
third on the standings was Bottas, who was half a second off the pace of Perez, and he seemed to have run for the whole day because he's got a lot of laps under his belt. Just like Perez, I might mention. So obviously we know Max didn't run on Saturday, but he was crushing it. Max was so happy with his car. He was nailing the timing sheets. Like he was just crushing it. I think he was so happy with the car that he was like, just like, cool, I don't need to come in tomorrow. I'm good. Keep the car like this and I'm happy and give the car to Perez so that Perez can get used to my driving style because you guys are obviously building the car around me. So that's probably the case of Max's attitude there. After Bottas, we had the two Ferraris, both about seven tenths off the pace of Perez. I think that's not bad. Like again, this is testing, so we don't know what they were running. Maybe they were running full field laps. Like it's just so hard to make arguments in uh pre-season testing because you just don't know what the cars are doing you don't know if they're going all out i don't think any of them push all out all out to a point where they risk damaging the car because that's just not helpful they need to find a car that has good race pace that can just last a full race so they're testing reliability they're testing various things to make sure that the car can consistently do well rather than doing these fast quality laps i mean they will do fast quality laps but i don't think that the fast quality laps are actually the the thing that they're testing on testing day. It's not the main focus of the day. Even though it's day three and now they've got their car set up so they probably want to test that more. It's just not really the thing to be excited about. In sixth place, we had the Alpha Tauri that Yuki Tsunoda was driving. He was just under a second off Perez's pace, which is still pretty quick. That's that's a better time than last year. So as you would expect, all the cars are a lot quicker than last year, which is good. And Yuki got a good 79 laps in there. After that, we had K-Mag and then Russell. They were near that pace as well. And then we had Alonso and Dragovic. And I must say that like Alonso and Dragovic, they've, they've done a good job. And they're showing that that Aston Martin is consistently on the pace. Like they're significantly quicker than the previous days. So it's very exciting to see the fact that Aston Martin is becoming that best of the rest team despite the fact that we had Sonoda and K-Mag and the Haas actually perform better than them the Aston Martins both drivers are consistently good and up there now onto 11th we had Norris who was almost two seconds off the pace and he was the better driver we had Piastri down in 16th who was three almost three and a half seconds off the pace which is not great for McLaren. It's it's not good to see McLaren suffering so much. I think we've heard some... Well, people have seen... I haven't seen this, but I think there was some frustration from Lando somewhere. I think we saw some angry outburst from him smashing a wall, being really bleak with the way the car is performing because that means he is in for a whole year of just not good stuff. And it's sad. It's sad to see McLaren falling so far behind because they were essentially like easily going to be third, I guess, if it wasn't for Daniel Ricciardo's terrible results in 2021. And to see them just fall all the way back down to the point where they're not even... Like, they were beating Ferrari. They were more competitive than Ferrari. And I was thinking, like, wow, 2022 is going to be so exciting. We're going to see McLaren and Ferrari, like, up there and hopefully beating the Red Bulls and Mercedes. And then Ferrari was up there, which is exciting. But McLaren had fallen all the way to the back, which made me really sad because I was hoping we'd have new teams up there fighting for stuff. And then you have to watch Mercedes and Red Bull claw back. But... We didn't get that, unfortunately, and it is sad to see because I've kind of lost a lot of hope in McLaren. If they do start doing well, that's awesome, but I just don't see it happening. On the other side, there are the Alpines who did worse than Norris, and this is kind of what I expected to happen. Is Well, maybe I didn't predict this to happen. I expected Lando to be beating both the Alpines and Piastri to be sort of on pace and, and uh, Lance Stroll when Lance Stroll's back to be on pace with the Alpines. And we just have Fernando, then Lando, then 
than like the rest of the guys fighting for best of the rest. Hulkenberg was down in P15, three seconds behind Perez as well. And what was a really odd one for me was DeFries's time because DeFries did 87 laps and his best time was eight seconds off the pace of Perez, which just confuses me. It doesn't say good things. I know a lot of people were saying like, wow, DeFries is really going to beat Yuki Tsunoda. And I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people who say like DeFries is going to dominate Yuki Tsunoda and really it's going to be a huge threat for Tsunoda. But for some reason, DeFries's lap times, I didn't watch Saturday because I, I was busy, but DeFries's lap time, like eight seconds off the pace, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. So I feel like you guys will have a lot more answers than I do because I just haven't been following everything and keeping my finger on the pulse. But yeah, that's kind of been that. I see Drive to Survive news. There's been some drivers complaining. I think Ocon was one who complained because they, they took some edited voice footage from him saying it feels like a win. And he said that, I think, in the Austrian Grand Prix when he came like fourth or fifth. But uh, at his home Grand Prix, when he came eighth and got points, like he just just beat the McLarens. Like they put the the voice of him saying it feels like a win at his home race of eighth, when obviously that was not the case. He was very disappointed with his home race in eighth place. So he's not too happy. Well, he did in the end say he still loves the freaking show, but he isn't too happy with that. Lando's been tuning Netflix a lot as well. So you can see they're kind of featuring him a bit less and less because I think they're not too keen with his... Uh, unhappiness around this but again lando is someone that netflix would want to have there a lot so i don't know it just feels a bit weird uh i don't know i heard reports of max complaining about netflix again which is surprising because i thought like max would have been someone who's going to like really be pre-watching the show and everything because he finally came back to drive to survive after like so long of being out of it because he was mad so i don't know if those reports of max speaking out against netflix being an old thing or and Lando might have also, it might have been him speaking out about their Daniel Ricciardo rivalry that he had with Daniel Ricciardo. I think he was speaking out against that a year ago, not this year. So it looks like Ocon is just the third driver to be complaining about Drive to Survive. There was also another thing in my Drive to Survive episode that I didn't speak about. I saw the episode again last night with my fiance. Uh, we saw Caitlyn Jenner speaking to Christian Horner. It was so funny because she was like, F1's really like picking up here and like Ferrari's just crushing out there. They're like the team. They're like the face of F1. They're, they're just dominating the sport. And there's just Christian Horner like looking at her going like, he, he was just like the most bleak face I've ever seen in my life. So that was pretty funny to see. I didn't really mention Albon. I think I skipped over him, but he was in the Williams and he ended up 13th with only two and a half seconds off the pace which is cool it's something they can build back from i think yesterday i saw well not yesterday on day two which was like friday i saw that logan Sargent did a pretty good lap he he was nailing it and i think he did a few pretty good laps because he was kind of up there for a while before other people started doing their quality runs which was nice to see it's like the thing with Williams where I'm I'm so worried for McLaren that I have a feeling that Williams could even beat McLaren, which is terrifying to think of. But uh, at least at backfield, it will be quite a mix-up of who gets where. But it is sad to think that a lot of these teams aren't even going to be contending for the points like ever. Uh, I feel like Aston Martin's going to consistently get points. And then obviously you've got the top three Red Bull, Mercedes and Ferrari going at it. And they're, they're definitely going to hog like those top six positions. 
So that only leaves like two more spots for people to be pushing for points, which is you're probably going to see the odd Alpha Tari here and there and the Alpine and then McLaren. So I don't know. Or maybe even Haas. I think Haas, like, I think it's going to be a real backmarker battle. Like those back six teams, they could evenly suck. Like, I feel like they'll all be fighting for pretty much P5. Like the P5 battle is going to be the big one of the year where you just see everyone trying to get their hands on P5. I think... If my predictions are correct and Aston Martin truly will just be dominating well relative to the midfield and be best of the rest by far, then we could see some big battles for P5. And, and I think that will be an exciting thing to look out throughout the season. That keeps the midfield interesting in the sense that we don't have like a front pack, a middle pack and a complete backpack because that, that backpack that we see is just not too interesting because you just don't care you're following the midfield and then that gap gets so big but if that fight for p5 just keeps changing throughout the season i think it will make for a very interesting midfield battle season and i'll just say like back half battle so we can look at the front end of what's going on and the back end of what's going on and actually be excited for two things as opposed to like three different fights etc well i mean there'll be fights with multiple teams it's always fun when it's like more than two teams fighting for a spot like if we had like three teams fighting for first that would be amazing and if we had like four teams fighting for fifth that would be really cool but when it's just pairs of two 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 everywhere that's not as exciting to watch well maybe it is it's easier to comprehend but it's cool to see that like the battles flow in and around that anyways i'm just rambling on and on now but the point is, I'm hoping we have some tight battles. I mean, it looks like the results, the cars are all fairly competitive, more or less. I, I, I don't know, maybe not the McLarens. <laughs> but they, they look fairly competitive, and I'm excited to see them do great things. I don't really have much more to add, so I'm going to call it there. If you guys have enjoyed the podcast, remember to follow if you haven't done so already. And leave a like or whatever you can, anywhere you've, you're able to. Check me out on YouTube. That's what I'm trying to promote the most right now is my youtube.com slash tipsy underscore pineapple. My podcast videos will pop up there after they pop up on Spotify and everywhere else, all your other podcasting platforms. They first come out as a podcast episode and then later on they come out on YouTube, which is just still a podcast episode just on YouTube. But on YouTube, you'll see some extra content. You'll see some evergreen videos that I'm working on. There's one that I'm actually working on now that shows us what would have happened if we used the old points system in 2021 because that that's an exciting result change that uh, I, I'm very keen to to make a video about. I think it's going to be great. But that will come soon. Have a good one, guys. We'll catch you later. Cheers, cheers.